You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. I'm Pastor Craig Beeman, and uh, we're looking at what we have in Jesus. What do we have in Jesus? Today, on Words of Encouragement. Well, as we look this morning, I, I, this is not one of the great stories of the Bible in, this, uh, in the series. I dropped out of the series for today because today we're observing the Lord's Supper. But I know in your bulletin it says that because, well, there again, the pastor said, well, I just forgot to change it. <laughs> but that happens. But this morning, I want to talk about what we have with Christ. What do we have with Christ, why is it so important that people know who Jesus is? Why is it so important that they have him in their heart? It, we Look, we are Christians and we think that people just need Jesus in their heart. Well, why? Why do we think this? Well, Brother Craig, the Bible tells us God, uh, that God told us that we're supposed to tell people about this Jesus and that he is supposed, we're supposed to show them the way. We're supposed to tell them about Jesus and what he did on the cross and dying for their sins. We're supposed to do this. But why? Why? Well, preacher, you don't know? No, I do know. And I, and I hope to share it with you this morning. I hope to share it with you this morning. Now, you know, we talk about having Jesus in our heart, and then after someone accepts Christ, after someone says, okay, I want Jesus in my heart, I want to be forgiven of my sins, I want him to be in charge of my life, then what? Then what? Many times we're happy that someone's accepted Jesus, and there they go. They're just there, there it is. But there's more to it. What do we get? What do we have when, some, when you accept Christ into your heart? What do you have besides Christ living in your heart, besides his Holy Spirit living inside of you? What do you have? I hope to answer that question this morning uh, as we look together in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. I want to ask that you stand, if you're able to, in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. The Bible tells us, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. There's a lot in those two verses. So uh, we thank the Lord for his word. We ask that it be written upon our hearts today. I ask you to be seated, invite you to be seated this morning. Justification has taken place in the heart of a believer. What do we have in Jesus? When Jesus comes to live inside of our heart, we find justification. We find that we have been justified. The first part of verse 1, therefore having been justified by faith. At this, this point in his letter to these, uh, th these Christians living in Rome, Paul has already talked about what it means to be just justified. He's already discussed this before we even get to chapter 5 here. And so 
let's, let's get a review. Back in Romans chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible tells us, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So the law is most important because it points us to our sin. It reveals to us what we've done wrong. It reveals to us the fact that we are sinners. Now, yes, if you want to leave church today and say the pastor called you a sinner, that's okay. Uh, that's okay. The pastor calls himself a sinner too. Because we, uh, we, we've, all, all, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And none of us are worthy to go to heaven. But there's good news. There's good news. And that's what we're talking about this morning. But let's look at this. The law is something that points to sin. It helps us to see what we are to do, and it convicts us of our sin. The law, the Holy Spirit, through the law, convicts us of our sin. When we look at the Bible, and the Bible tells us that we're not to gossip. Oh my, have we gossiped? Oh my, we've sinned. Oh no. If the Bible tells us we're, we're not to bear false witness against our neighbor. Well, you know, I heard that they were doing blah, blah, blah. I don't know it's true, but you know, I don't know we've sinned, we've sinned, we've sinned against God. And, and, and the Bible teaches us not to do that. The Bible says, honor your parents, treat them with respect. Doesn't mean, oh boy, once I'm out of the house, I don't have to respect my parents. Oh, no, 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 no. A lot of people teach the honor your parents as being, well, you just got to do everything they say and you better do it or you're going to get in trouble. Uh, and then when you leave home, well, you can do whatever you want. No, that's not how that works. On, it never, there's not a time limit on honor your parents. It's not there in the Bible. You're not going to find that. Uh, when you honor your parents, you're to honor them, respect them the rest of their lives and yours. I mean, this is the way it is. But the Bible teaches these things. The Bible teaches a lot of things. And, so, uh, and also the law teaches us. And when we go against those things, we are sinners. We're sinning against God. So the law is important. The law teaches us what is wrong, but the law cannot save us. The law cannot, cannot make us right before God. All the law can do is say, you done wrong. <laughs> you messed up. And that's what the law says. But the law can't make you right. It's just like today. If you, if you steal something from a store, you get caught, you get, you get arrested, it, that's, that's not, it's not going to change your heart. The law doesn't change your heart. You may go out and do it again later. You may just decide, well, I'm just going to do it again. There's, there's got to be a heart change. So the law can't change the heart of a person. Oh, yeah, the law, you can get in trouble, you know, because you've disobeyed the law. But you're, the heart change is not happening. The heart change comes through Christ. The heart change comes when you believe in Jesus and when you walk with him. In Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and through 24, we find these words. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. I think that means everybody. All. Being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So all of us have sinned. Sin separates us from God. The word justified here does not mean we have been made righteous, but that we have been declared righteous by God Himself. We have been declared righteous. This righteousness we believers have is not due to anything that we have done. We can't make ourselves righteous. Only God can do that through us. Only He can make us 
right. Only he can make us where we need to you know, get us where we need to be. It's made possible by the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. That's what the Bible tells us. It's made possible by the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So how does one obtain this justification, this right standing with God? It's through faith. It's through faith. If you are a believer, you have been declared righteous. You've been declared justified in the eyes of God. It's not anything you did. It's because of what Jesus did. When Jesus died on the cross, he made it possible for us to believe in him for us to have our sins forgiven, for us to be in heaven forever with him, but it's through what he did. Uh, we, we can't be good enough, smart enough to be justified in the eyes of God. We cannot do anything to where God says, oh, okay, uh, you're, 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 you're justified, you're acceptable to me. We can't. We can't. We're human beings. So therefore, he sends Jesus to be the perfect one living on earth. Dying as a sacrifice for our sins. The second thing, well, the first thing is if you're a believer, you've been declared justified in the eyes of God. The second thing we see is peace is in the heart of the believer. So we have justification by God. When we accept Christ into our heart, what do we have? We have justification. We have justification. We've been declared justified by God. The second thing, peace is in the heart of the believer. Look at the next part of verse 1. It says we have Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace. Peace. I wanted to say that word out loud and let it sit there for a while. Peace. Peace. The word alone just says so much. To you, peace may say a lake. In a boat, quiet, maybe some birds every now and then. It may say a deer stand in the woods, birds again, sun coming up. It may say to you, sitting in the backyard with that good old glass of sweet tea, and you're just enjoying the sunset. Peace, peace may mean quiet to you. Peace may mean the absence of negativity to you. The word alone is comforting. The word alone just sounds good, does it not? But notice that because people have trusted by faith in what God has done for them through the death of Christ on the cross, they have peace. Well, now, wait a minute, Brother Craig. It, does this mean that when we accept Christ, we're just we're transported to a deer stand, transported to a boat, transported to our back porch? Is that what happened? Is this what peace? Is this this peace that the Bible's talking about here? No. Karl Barth says peace is the proper ordering of the relation between man as man with God as God. It's the ordering of the relationship between man as man and God as God. It's getting it right. It's having the reconciliation that needs to take place between man and God, you and God. Peace. What is that peace? It's that peace in knowing you are right with God. 
In his commentary on Romans, Robert Mounts writes this. He says, as Paul used the term, it does not primarily depict a state of inner tranquility. It is external and objective. To have peace with God means to be in a relationship with God in which all the hostility caused by sin has been removed. There's not an uneasiness. You know when you do something wrong against your friend or your, your neighbor, your spouse, a relative, you do something wrong and there, there's, there's that, ooh, that tension there, that tension that is there. You know what I'm talking about. Don't, don't, don't look at me like that. <laughs> you know what it's like to have tension between you and someone else. You do. And it's so annoying and it's so uneasy. And it just, oh, it just, it just, it, it's on your mind all the time, and it bothers you, and you're like, oh, I hate this tension. Yeah, that's what it is. The peace between you and God, the tension has been removed. You've been forgiven. God has forgiven you of your sins. I mean, that there is a peace in the knowing that the relationship between you and God is the way it should be. Man, what a feeling of peace. There's no tension there. There's no tension. You've been made right with God. It is, it is, he, he continues, he says, it is to exist no longer under the wrath of God. Actually, I find, I kind of find an inner peace in having this peace, this peace that comes from God and knowing that I'm right with Him. I have a peace. I can look at this world and say, this world, it's not going to be here all the time. It's not going to be here forever. This stuff's all temporary. None of the, you know, yeah, it matters to us right now. Oh, boy, oh, boy. And we, we allow ourselves to get upset and we allow ourselves to worry about a whole lot of things in this world. But this is not our eternal home. We have an eternal home in heaven. And that's where God is. And that's where the greatest, I think, I just have this idea that the, the greatest experience of love we can have is when we're going to be there in heaven. Oh, we can have an experience of love right here when we accept Christ, when we realize what God did for us, when we realize how much He loves us and what He did through His Son's death on the cross. When we realize that, oh, there's, it's like overwhelming here. I was talking to a preacher yesterday. He said, I was riding down the road many years ago, and he said, all of a sudden, it just hit me, and I realized how much God loves me. He said, I had to pull over. He said, tears came to my eyes. I couldn't believe it. I just thought, wow, he really loves me this much. I thought, man, wow. And, that, and, and this is nothing compared to what we're going to experience in heaven. Again, how do we obtain this peace? It came to us when we trusted in what Christ did on the cross. How was this peace provided, Paul tells us, through our Lord Jesus Christ. It was through Him, His sacrificial death on the cross, that we can have this peace. It's not, we don't get this peace of reconciliation between us and God. We don't get this through doing meditation. Om, Dhamma. You know, we don't, we, don't, we don't get that through meditation. We don't get this peace through cultivating a positive mindset, loving yourself, visualizing a peaceful place that we can have peace with God. No, no, this peace comes from God. This peace comes from reconciling with Him. This peace comes when we accept Him as our Savior and Lord and we realize that He has forgiven us of our sins and we accept that forgiveness. We ask it. And we, we ask of him for it, and he gives it to us, and we accept it. It's through him. It's not through becoming one with nature. 
It's not through becoming, learning how to breathe right. You seen that commercial? I saw a commercial not long ago. The importance of breathing right. And I'm like, okay, well, that's health-wise, I got you on that. But, the, but inner peace and all this other stuff, I'm like, well, okay. yeah, I, I can understand the health benefits. And I can understand what happens when I slow myself down and take a deep breath and just kind of rest there. That's good stuff. That's good, yes. But that's not the peace of God. That's not the peace of reconciling, you know, reconciliation with God. True peace with God comes through trusting in Jesus for salvation. True peace with God is knowing where you're going when you leave this earth. True peace with God is knowing that you are right with Him. Have you ever had somebody ask if a recently deceased person had ever made it right with God? You ever heard that phrase? I hope they were right with God. That's what, that's the meaning of that phrase, whether they intended or not. I mean, because some people just kind of say that. I hope they were right with God. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, I don't know. Uh, maybe they, they made peace with God. Oh, peace with God. What does that mean? Oh, I don't know. Some of us know what we're talking about. Some of us know what we mean when we say that. But that's what's happening. Have they made peace with God? That's what they're talking about. That's what's intended. Are they right with him? Have they reconciled with him? Have they asked, oh God, forgive me of my sins, come into my heart, be in charge of my life? Have they made that decision? Are they walking with Christ? Have they done that? Ah, their life reflected it? Ah, ah. They they were right with God when they left this earth. If you are a believer, if you are a believer, a true believer, you have peace with God. The the third thing we see, the, the believer stands in grace. What do we have with Christ? We have justification with Christ. We have peace with Him. We also stand in grace. Look at the first part of verse 2. Through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith. Notice it's by faith into this grace in which we stand. Through this same man, Jesus, we have obtained or we have access into His grace. What is this grace? It is goodwill freely disseminated by God, especially to the benefit of the recipient, regardless of the benefit accrued to the disseminator. (laughs) What? What preacher? In other words, it's the favor of God upon you without any regard for your good works, your good looks, and all of y'all look so good, and our good behavior. God has chosen to share His grace with you. He chose you. Not because, oh, I'm so special. God shared His grace with Brother Craig because he looks so good. Ugh, yeah, where's the trash can? Okay. Ugh, really? No. God shared His grace with us because of His great love for us. Doesn't matter what we look like. Doesn't matter where we came from. Doesn't matter where we live. Doesn't matter what accent we have. And I, I wish I, I wish we had uh, you know some 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 gr- a, a huge portion of northern people down here tonight uh, this morning. It doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter what accent you have. Doesn't matter what traditions you have. God loves you and longs for you to be in His family. That's what He wants. God has chosen to share His grace with us. Neither you nor I can have access to this grace of God unless it is by faith. 
Martin Luther says that some people want to have access to God by faith, yet not through Christ, but past Christ, just as though they had no need of Christ. Jesus, though, himself said these words, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the way through which we have God's peace and his grace. It's through Christ. Truly, Paul defines grace when he writes this in chapter 8, verse 15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. That is grace. You and I are, are not worthy of being a part of God's family, but he's made it possible for us to be a part of his family. He's made it possible for us. Oh, we, oh no, we're not worthy, but he has made it possible. We're not worthy of calling him Father, but you can. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior and Lord, you can call him Father. You have that right to call him Father. That's incredible. If you're a believer, you stand in the grace of God. <coughs> the last thing we see. The believer rejoices in the glory of God. After looking at all we have in Christ, Paul, some, he, he encourages us to do something. Look at the second part of verse 2. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. The word translated exult or rejoice actually means to show off verbally. We're to rejoice out loud over the hope we have in God. We're to rejoice out loud. When, you, know, I, 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 you know, we're not... Uh, well, I don't want to pick on any other denomination, but we're not, you know, we're not, we're just not, oh, well, you know. God, God and I, we've got a great, great, great uh, relationship. Notice the facial expression. Uh, God and I, yeah, we, we're, we're good, we're good. Really? Are you good? You, you, you sound like you don't know him. <laughs> you sound like you don't know who he is. Me and God, we got a great relationship. God loves me. God forgives me. He enables me. He empowers me to do what he's called him to, on me to do. God is a God who loves me. He's a God who watches me. He's a God who is with me. He is with me. Wherever I go, there he is. Whatever I'm doing, there he is. <laughs> whatever I'm saying, whatever I'm thinking, there he is. We ought to be able to publicly display our relationship with the Lord through how we live, through how we speak. As unbelievers, we had nothing to, uh, to really boast about because we fell short of the glory of God. But as believers, as believers, we rejoice in His righteousness and His glory. These, th this word speaks of something that is certain but not yet realized, God's glory his glory in this context is taken as a reference to eternal blessedness of being with God forever, experiencing His life and goodness in all of its fullness. Oh, wow. Wow. We will receive the glory of being with Him, but not yet. Not yet. We're still here. Not yet. Now we can rejoice in the fact that one day we will rejoice in the glory that is being with Him. We should rejoice in that. We don't deserve it, but God wants us to have it, and He's provided the way for us. 
This is a loving God, a caring God. This is a God who, who knows every hair on your head, every hair not on your head. He knows everything about you. He knows where you go, what you do, what you say. He cares for you. And He's made a way for you to be forgiven of your sins and to walk with Him and be a part of His family forever and ever. That's something to rejoice in. If you're a believer, you've been declared justified in the eyes of God. You have peace. You stand in His grace. And if you're a believer, you have every right to rejoice in the glory of being with Him someday. It's going to happen. If you're a believer, you're going to see Him. You're going to be in contact with Him. You're going to be in heaven with Him forever because He loves you. And He's provided the way through Christ. Maybe today you need to make that decision to ask Christ to come into your heart, to forgive you of your sins, to be in charge of your life. That is truly the most important decision you will ever make in your life. What to do with Jesus? Do I accept Him? Do I... Do I believe in Him? Do I trust Him enough to forgive me of my sins? Do I trust His Word enough to believe that I can be forgiven of my sins, I can be made right with God, and I can live forever with Him? That's a question you're going to have to answer. And I would, look, I would please, I, I'm asking you to investigate don't, don't just offhandedly decide, oh, I don't believe that. Look into it. Look into it. You, look, everything deserves a fair shake. Everything deserves its own uh, thorough investigation before you just make an opinion, before you make a call on something. So I encourage you, study the Word of God. Open up yourself to Him. Let Him speak to you. Let His Holy Spirit guide you to the point where you realize, yes, I need this Jesus. Would you do that? Would you open yourself to that? Thank you for listening to Words of Encouragement. We hope that you'll stay tuned and continue to listen. Uh, if you'd like to contact us, you can always do so through our website, fbcwinsboro.com. That's fbcwinsboro.com.